Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. God sent Jesus to earth to enable everyone, Jew, Gentile, white, black, Chinese, Malaysian, old, young, doesn't matter, man, woman, everyone to change and be like him. That's the purpose. And to understand that change, you're going to hear many times today that word see change before and after. Over the course of history, mankind has seen several moral, ethical, and political revolutions. From the abolition of slavery to women's voting rights, societies are constantly changing on a regular basis. As good as these things appear at face value, there's still an unfortunate amount of division and hatred within our society. With that being the case, one must ask just how it is that we can experience a truly positive change. In today's message, Pastor Mark teaches us how the gospel gives us the ability to truly change for the better by transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, Before and After. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 8. How many of you uh, ladies this morning have straight hair, naturally? Uh, straight hair, it's, you have straight hair, okay? How many ladies have curly hair, okay? Now, I live with a woman, as you know, for 39 years. And, you know, if you have straight hair, sometimes you want curly hair. If you have curly hair, sometimes you want to have straight hair. And you have all this mousse, and you go to the beauty shop, and you have these curlers that always burn your hands, and all these kind. they leave them on, you know, they're always on. You come home, husband finds it sitting there in the bathroom, and burning hot, all this stuff. You don't have to worry about any of those things now. You can throw all of that stuff out. Look what was discovered yesterday. We just found that actually it was Friday. In England, they have found the little ball and the little ball right at the bottom of the hair follicle, and they've taken the DNA out of it, and they've discovered a way now, and they're working on a pill or a shampoo. So you get up in the morning and go like, nah, this is going to be a curly day. Curly day? Incredible. Ah, this is a straight day. Pill, boom, there you are. Unbelievable, isn't it? Now you guys go like, well, what about us? You left us out. Well, no, they're the same scientists, they're working on this, changing gray to black and brown. Hallelujah. I mean, we'll all look like really young people, you know? Don't you hate these people with white hair and a black mustache? You know something's wrong somewhere, don't you? 
Well, I know I left some of you out. They're sitting next to you. They're like bald. Well, you have to wait to heaven. I'm sorry. No, not really. These same scientists in London, I don't know what London's doing with hair, but whatever, it's a big deal over there. They have found the gene also. They can take your hair, they take the gene out of it, they kind of clone it and put the hair follicles back in and it's growing like crazy. So, neat stuff. Before and after. Lots of change. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Change. Before and after. You see, Matthew is writing his gospel. His focus is on Jewish hearers. The Jews really needed to understand from Matthew's perspective that Jesus was the Messiah of the Old Testament. So he focuses on, even the two stories we'll talk about today, Mark and Luke kind of expand them. He kind of just concentrates them down. He's not really interested in the details. He just wants you to know that Jesus is God and he's the Messiah of the Old Testament. We begin in verse 28 of chapter 8, Matthew. When he arrived on the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass their way. This is Gentile territory. It's pagan territory. So the first thing you kind of have to think about is, well, why is Jesus leaving this side of Galilee where the Jews are and going to a side where the Gentiles are? Because, see, for Jewish people, Gentiles were useless. They even called us dogs. We were like fodder for hell. There was no use for them. They were God's people. Gentiles were nothing. But why is Jesus going over there? Well, he's going over there to make some changes. See, you're going to hear a lot about seas today. In our thinking, in the disciples' thinking, and in the people's thinking. Jesus is going to go over there, and he's going to show two things. Authority and power. We've talked about those before. Power, God's power, not man's. And authority, the the right to exercise that power. He's going to go over there, and he's going to give us a great picture of before and after. Now... Some things you have to begin to write, and we're gonna, you're going to be tested at the end of the teaching today, and we're going to ask you many times to repeat some things, so just begin to learn these with us. First thing you want to write is, why is Jesus going over there? Well, it's a picture of this principle that's biblical, and you need to know it. God sent Jesus to earth to enable everyone, Jew, Gentile, white, black, Chinese, Malaysian, old, young, doesn't matter, man, woman, everyone to change and be like him. That's the purpose. And to understand that change, you're going to hear many times today that word see, change, before and after. It's a definite change. Straight hair, curly hair. Gray hair, black hair. Before and after. Well, you see, when God came to this earth in the form of Jesus, this is what Matthew's alluding to, he came to change this two ways. The first is salvation. We'll see that in our teaching. You have to become a believer. But after you become a believer, the goal for you and for me is to change to be like Jesus. We see that a lot in the Bible. Conform to his image, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. So here's the things I want you to write this morning. As you are now a Christian, if you've taken that first step, 
then God is in the process of changing you as a believer to think like Jesus thought. In other words, the Bible says we can have the mind of Christ. I don't have to think secular. I don't have to think uh, the way of the world, uh, focusing on the here and now, but I can have the mind of Christ. Now, how does that happen? Well, the book of Romans chapter 12 says we need to be renewed in our thinking. The thing that renews our thinking, John chapter 8 tells us, is the word of God. So the more we're in this, the more the focus is on what the world is real about, and we'll hear the word priorities a lot today, that our priorities are going to be similar to what Jesus had. Well, we already saw he came to seek and save that which lost, so that should be on your mind. So the first thing, as you mature in Christ, you should be thinking different. Now the Bible says in Proverbs, if I think different, I'm going to act different. That moves us to the next two changes. Change to be like Jesus. That's the character of Jesus. So once I become a Christian, you ought to see change in my character, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meaning there should be a, something very evident, should be very easy to see that I'm different in my character, in being like Jesus. Number three, change to do or minister like Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, remember Jesus said to his disciples, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. I'm going to leave you and you're going to carry on my ministry. You're going to do the things I was doing. And so that's true for all of us today. Now, a change to do and to minister like Jesus. All of us, as we become Christians, are involved in these three things that are changing in our lives. Okay, now, let's go to the next screen, and I want to get you to memorize some things today. We belong to a church called Calvary Chapel, CC. Say it with me this morning, CC. CC, Calvary Chapel. Okay? Now, who is the head of Calvary Chapel? Well, use another C. Who could that be? Christ. So the big C... Is Christ. And the next C is Calvary Chapel. Okay? Now, what is God trying to do to you as a Christian? That's another C in case you didn't notice it. He's trying to CC. He's trying to change your character and your conduct. So that's the maturing process. He's trying to change my character and my conduct. So let's go over it again. The number one priority in my life is C. Who is? Christ. Good. You're doing better in the first group. First group needed caffeine big time. <laughs> Christ. And because Christ is the head of the church, this is a church. And what's the name of this church? Calvary Chapel, which is CC. Good. Now, as you come every week, what's, what's he trying to do in your life? CC, change my, say it with me, character and conduct. Good. Now, Colossians 1.28. Yesterday morning I taught up, you know, we have 15 guys that are in, in the school of ministry here. Eventually, about a year and a half from now, we'll become pastors or on staff at different places and just work in lots of different areas. Well, I taught a class and, and I told them to get the Bibles out and they wrote this. See, this is a goal for a minister. This is a goal for Colossians 28 and 29 for a minister. Now, how many ministers do we have here this morning? Let me see your hand. Well, what are the rest of you people like? Chop liver or what? <laughs> If you're a Christian, you're a, a minister. So let me see. How, how many ministers do we have there this morning? Good. So this is your goal. 
So you ought to write it down somewhere. You ought to write Colossians 1, 28, 29. That's what God's goal for me as a minister. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, what are you supposed to be doing? Well, watch. So everywhere we go, whether it's the prison, the car show, or a wedding, or your neighborhood, or the ball field, everywhere we go, we tell everyone... Even the hardcore people that have turned you down before when God opens the door. We tell everyone about, there's the first C. Our main goal isn't telling them about the CC, Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel can't do anything for anybody. Only C can do anything about anybody. That's Christ. Got it? Got it? So we tell everyone about Christ. Well, what does that mean? Tell them. Well, it includes warning and teaching. Both. Not screaming at people, but teaching them about the principles of the word. Well, how do we do that? With all the wisdom that God gives us. The Bible is filled with God's mind. That's his mind to us. It's filled with wisdom. So we do that with all wisdom that God has given us. What is the goal of this? Your goal as a minister, when you're sharing with with people, what is your goal? To present them to God. How? Perfect. That word in the original really means this. Mature. Mature. And so mature will relate back to their relationship with Christ. So my interaction, your interaction with people that are unbelievers were to get them to Christ so they can get saved and begin this process of CC, changing in their character and conduct. A little slow on that, but let's go back again. Once a person becomes a Christian, the next phase of their life is changing them in character and conduct. Well, how long does that change take? How many have arrived? I'm waiting for that hand, baby. I'm waiting for it. Well, no, that relates to the next part. There's another CC coming. Constantly changing. All right, let's, let's review. We come to Christ. We go to church to learn, to be warned, to taught. Calvary Chapel, CC. And then, as God has come to live in our life, we change in character and conduct. How long? Constantly changing. You can go home. You got it. That's it. That's why we're here. That's the goal. That's the process. It never ends. This constantly changing to think, to be, and to minister exactly like Jesus Christ. So that's where we find ourselves. That's why Jesus is there. He's not just going for a boat ride. He's going to take people's lives and change them. Now notice, he meets these two demon-possessed men. The minute Jesus gets out of the boat, Satan's power was evident. Mark and Luke give us a little more detail about these two men. Basically, they're naked. They are screaming constantly. They're out of their mind. They have, as we're told in Mark and Luke, legion of demons in them, up to 6,000 demons in these two men. They cut themselves constantly. People in town have tried to control them. They chain them. They put. They break all the chains. They can't live around people anymore. They've lost all their families. They have no friends. They're living in a little cave on mountainsides that are filled with dead people. They're living in tombs. People won't even go near the road where they're at. This is the picture. Satan had taken possession of their thoughts and their actions. In a moment, you're going to see he had taken control of their speech. They don't even speak. The demons speak for them. 
Now, that brings up something very important. First key point. We cannot personally change anyone. You see, Jesus comes here because the town people can't do a thing with these two men full of demons. The men can't help themselves. Nobody can help them. And so God comes here because he knows the only person that can help them is God. You and I personally can't change anybody. If you've been married for three hours, you know that truth. (laughs) You just can't change anyone. And as we go through this, that's why Jesus comes. These people are helpless. The town's helpless. The demon-possessed men are totally helpless. But they were really created to be sons and daughters of God. Well, how will that happen? Well, it will happen because Jesus is going to end the picture. Change is coming because of Christ. You see, this is a wonderful picture. It's an actual story, but it's a picture of what happens with sin in our lives. Sin comes into our lives and it steals our life. It robs us like these men of self-control. Like these men, it destroys our family. It destroys our friends. It destroys our lives. Well, look at verse 29. These men shout back at Jesus. What do you want with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Now, I want you to pay special attention to this. I'm going to show you three things that the demons know. They know. These three things the demons know, probably 75% of the people living on this earth don't know these three things. But the demons know them. That's very interesting to me. The first things the demons know is that Jesus is the Son of God. Notice what they say. Have you come to torture us, Son of God? What do you want to do with us? If you go out today and do a survey, and you say to people, who is Jesus? He's a good teacher. He's a nice man. I'm not sure he even lived. The demons don't believe any of that. Standing in front of them, they knew that was the Son of God. By the way, you go to Israel with us, we go to the Temple Mount, we go to the Dome of the Rock, and we see the Muslim Temple. You know what's on the Muslim Temple? God has no sons. Now don't let people say to you that Allah is the same God as our God. Wrong. God has a son. His name is Jesus. It's the first C. That's what changed you and me. So these demons, you say, well, how do they know he's the son of God? Well, they were with him in the beginning when the world was created. By the way, the demons wouldn't argue evolution with you. They didn't see a big bang. They saw God create the earth in six days. You say, Pastor Mark, that's, you're like, stupid. No, you're stupid for believing evolution. The Bible tells me how. You say, well, he can't do that. Says who? You? No, he can. He did. Now, we go through, and the second point is this. The demons knew that Jesus had all power and authority. How do I know that? They say, what are you going to do with us? They'd say, well, we're going to fight you. I wonder who will win. They say, what are you going to do with us? If you drive out of here today and head down Wickham and you speed. I don't know how you'd ever do that on Wickham, but you speed. <laughs> and some of our finest pull you over and roll down the window. 
You're going to see in a moment, they beg Jesus. Well, they beg Jesus. When you beg somebody, who's in control? The person you're begging is in control. So the window rolls down and you say, officer, I just came from C. Church, don't ever say if you were speeding CC. We don't speed in this church. Christians from Calvary Chapel never speed. Is it time for another C confession? Uh, you see, you want to just start begging, don't you? And you want to say, officer, I was just in church and I learned upon principles and I just was thinking about it. Was, my mind was on scripture and I just didn't understand what was happening. Well, be careful. Be careful. Because then you're going to have to have a confession with it. They knew that Jesus had all power and authority. Number three, the demons knew their Bible. The demons knew their Bible and they knew their eternal destiny and outcome. Revelation 20 tells us that the demons at the end of time will be placed in the lake of fire along with Satan forever and ever and ever. They knew it. Isn't that interesting that the world doesn't know those three things? But the demons knew these three truths. This brings up another point you need to write. You can know or believe in Jesus and yet not be a Christian. This is very confusing. We'll have masses of people come into our churches and you say to them, why are you here? Well, I believe in God and I believe Jesus was born during this time. Well, we know it wasn't born in this time, but that's all right. It's a time we celebrate it. It's cool. Well, you say, you go in heaven? Well, sure, because I believe in Jesus. What do they mean by believe in Jesus? Well, they believe Jesus lived. Well, did the demons believe Jesus lived? I mean, stand in front of them. Sure they did. Are the demons going to hell? Yes, they're going to hell. They're not going to heaven. So what's the difference? The belief of the demons was they knew here he was real, but they never submitted their life to follow him. They weren't in obedience to him. They'd be commanded to obey, but never willingly become like Christ. See, the demons never operated with the principle of CC. They never changed in character and conduct. Everything they did was evil because they were ruled by Satan. So people are confused today. If I believe there is a God and if I believe there is a Jesus, that makes me a Christian. No, that's incorrect. You have to submit your will and you have to begin to follow and you practice these things. You put Christ C first. You find a church, doesn't have to be CC Calvary Chapel, and you begin changing in character and conduct like Jesus. You begin to think and act and do and minister. Your life changes. It's evident. And that change is constant. It's a lifestyle. It's not an event. Verse 30. Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons, S, remember the legion, there's the word, begged Jesus. If you drive us out, send us into this herd of pigs. Striving to change for the better is often looked at by many as a positive and healthy goal. As many of us are aware, this isn't necessarily easy and we don't always reach our goal. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught us about the transformation of the gospel and how it provides all of mankind the opportunity to truly change for the better. We learned that by looking to Christ for strength, the most radical of change is possible. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. The Bible teaches us that true believers in Christ are recognizable by their fruits. This means that as disciples of Christ, Christians undergo a steady and constant change that looks different from their former ways. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us the difference between mere belief in Christ and a life that's wholly dedicated and transformed by Him continually. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.